All right, on this episode of MMA Canada Radio, very excited to be talking to an individual said to compete at Samurai MMA 9, which transpires on February the 2nd and goes down in Montreal. We have Antoine Chaput stepping into the cage to take on Kevin Popowick Bastien and great having Kevin on MMA Canada Radio. How's your day going so far, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. Appreciate you asking. And it seems like you had quite a busy weekend like what all were you getting up to throughout this busy weekend on the heels of unified mma 55 and ufc 297 it seems like you were like really involved with a lot of teammates and all yeah i mean uh, on friday unified we had uh, my best friend zach powell fight and uh, you know like helping him cut weight and helping him just get ready in general being there for the shakeout and everything it makes for uh couple long days and everything especially with uh, having the ufc the day after as well so there's a lot of teammates out so it's nice to have uh, that much support though with the team that we have yeah and how long have you been with ntt for it seems like you've been there for a good bit now like it seemed like you know maybe you were at tristar gatineau before i mean per sure dog at least like how long have you been working with niagara top team and been involved in that collective and all it feels like about 40 years that I've been working with them, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I think maybe it's we're getting up on four years now. No, I love hearing that, man. It's just, I feel like the team has grown so much. Like, I feel like it was one of those, like, almost, like, well-kept secrets kind of early on at one point. Like, it's like the people that knew, knew, but I feel like the broader MMA landscape just becomes more aware of NTT seemingly with like each passing event and performance that each member from the team generates. So that must be exciting to be part of that as you're also growing individually there. Yeah, it's not a secret anymore. Yeah, no, it's very much put out there now. It's one of those things where it's like if you don't know, you're kinda you're kinda lacking. You gotta be doing some study in here a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this team it's pretty sick to have like me, Zach moved out from uh, Quebec out here we got a bunch of guys a few guys that moved out another one of my teammates that's fighting on samurai keenan keller he's uh, moved from bc out here we have a few other guys that have moved from pretty much everywhere from ontario out here so it's pretty cool to have uh, again like another a big team of like-minded people that are here to support each other yeah for sure it must be you know, such a great fit and everything like that for where you're at. And it's cool that you're competing under the Samurai banner again and everything. It seems like you've got to compete for some good circuits in Ontario and, you know, Quebec and all. Like, how does it feel to be competing under the Samurai banner? Because you obviously got that impressive rear naked choke victory at Samurai MMA 6 in May of last year. Yeah, I mean, a fight's a fight. I don't really give a shit who I'm fighting for. Um, I'm just here to fight, so as long as uh, I can get an opponent and uh, I can get a win, I don't really care. Yeah, good attitude to have, man. Definitely something to keep you open to different opportunities. But that last one, at least like the last one under the Samurai banner, seemed like a cool one, just getting like that first pro win in your hometown. Like It seemed like a big moment. I mean, obviously, you're looking towards the next step and very squarely focused on this next fight, but that must have been a cool moment all the same. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yes, being in the hometown is cool, but the other thing was, like, in front of 4,000 people, that's um, not a small accomplishment, even for the promotion itself and for me being able to, like, go out and fight. Like, I hadn't fought in Quebec in my pro career at all, 
and just like the little differences in like the commission and uh i've never like fought in an arena like that before so like you're waiting in the tunnel for a really long time like just um as far as far as like scheduling it's uh it's pretty different and it's cool to like have those di different experiences before like first time you fight for a big fight in the ufc or whatever and they like call your name 40 minutes before your fight and you end up like either blowing your lung out too soon or there's something weird that happens right so logistically i think that it's good for my career yeah i was gonna say that was gonna be my question like does it feel like something that really is like gearing you up towards that next level you're striving for you know down the line because it seems like some of the machinations you were kind of outlining there getting you a little more familiar with some of the processes that would be the case at some of these bigger shows and all yeah absolutely and just like going with the flow like if something goes wrong like it's whatever it doesn't really matter we're fighting all in the same cage anyways so like wherever we are in the world we're not fighting as the great Chael Sonnen would say, we're not fighting in Brazil, we're not fighting in Las Vegas, we're fighting in the Octagon. That's what it is. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, certain level of connectivity to that UFC 297 event, we were just kind of talking a bit about that, just, like, all the different activity from your teammates throughout and stuff like that. Did you end up, like, like were you at the event? Were you at the Toronto card there checking things out or anything like that? No, I don't have a mortgage payment to put down on tickets, so um, <laughs> I just watched it at home. Yeah, man, that was kind of a common thing. I mean, even a lot of my buddies who are really into MMA, that seemed to be like a common sentiment. Like, there was even one of my buddies who was like looking at like, you know, tickets the day of to see if he could get things at a reasonable price, but still no go on that. So I hear you. Yeah, so, but it was cool. We still had friends come over and everything. We, uh, we actually watched the fights at uh, Jazz's house. So she wasn't there, of course. So, yeah. yeah. What were your thoughts on uh, What were your thoughts on her performance? I mean, a historic difference in terms of the strikes and just, I mean, a rare ten seven dealt out. I mean, probably the most exemplary performance one could have hoped to have. That must have been cool to kind of check that out at her place and all. Yeah, you know, I think she could have done better, you know, but uh, <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> uh, literally flawless performance, like. I'm joking with the, she could have done better. There's yeah, literally yeah. nothing you could have, you, you're sitting in mount for two full rounds, pounding on your opponent, and like, then you stand back up, or in the first, after the first round, you stand back up in the second, and she ends up dropping Priscilla, like, that's, the only chance she had was on the feet, and then Jazz was letting her know that she's even better there, so, great performance, very happy. Yeah, and another question I kind of wanted to get your insights on, too, because, I mean, just, again, shows the gamesmanship that we were kind of talking about before, the readiness to fight wherever, whenever, like, just the fact you made your pro debut fighting Siri City, who had quite the performance on the card as well. Like, what were your thoughts on his rematch with Ramon Tavares there? So, um, I train with Siri now at uh, NTT. Like, he goes to Aegis, and basically Aegis, NTT, House of Champions... BTC, we're all like one team that all train together, and uh, yeah, no, I fought Siri in my first pro fight, and um, it didn't go great, but uh, it's nice to have uh, a, him, Mikey, have Jazz, have a bunch of people, AJ, that uh, are all in like high-level organizations that uh, 
we can have those role models to like either look up to or try to emulate and try to add like see what they do see how it's different than what we're doing right now and see if we're on the path right so um i would like to say that siri got fucked and he should have won that decision um but still and he also got fucked he should have won the fight of the night too because he should have made a hundred grand that guy didn't make weight dana should have given him a hundred grand yeah, I was kind of taken aback that that didn't get fight of the night also. But, I mean, to your point about some of the different, I guess, like, people in southern Ontario, I mean, I feel like it, there's just such a wealth of talent out here, and there's such a great kind of, like, cross-training culture. Like, I mean, I feel like there are people who are, like, I guess, predominantly out of certain spaces, but it's not uncommon for someone who's, I guess, mostly with ages, say, to go to, like, NTT or, you know, the Burlington Training Center or something like that. Like, it just seems like everyone's interested and kind of honing the skills wherever the location is been all yeah absolutely like every monday like for this camp here i was doing privates with uh, our head coach here chris prickett for wrestling and then um you know he does his like pad work with linden and then at aegis and then his jiu-jitsu coach is paul jalbert from btc so like he's a prime example of like a guy that's literally in on the team it's not a gym it's a team you know, I was going to say, is that something you noticed? I mean, I'm talking more like the NTT kind of space, but I mean, that just distinction you drew there, like just the more communal kind of like tight knit vibes. Was that something you also felt at NTT, like the strong communal support kind of vibes while also getting in that high level refinement of your skills and everything? Yeah. When I first came out here, it was really funny because like, um, I was, we had a strong team, like, um, at, uh, with evolution and the the gym that we we're at before but it was pretty small like we're maybe four guys here at ntt it's like we're i don't know like 30 pros or something like that and the guys will fight and they'll disagree and everything but it never feels like it's it never feels like there's ego involved like guys are fighting and guys are like yelling at each other in the gym sometimes and stuff but it's all it's like brothers and sisters fighting like you know they're gonna make up afterwards it's kind of cool yeah, for sure. I mean, good balance kind of take, like obviously going to be ups and downs, but consistently there for each other. So yeah, I love to hear that, man. But I guess in getting some specifics on this upcoming opponent here, Antoine Chaput, I'm kind of curious because I know some fighters are kind of into the whole idea of delving into like a certain level of tape study with their opponents, almost to the point of like seeing if they can find like everything they can on the guy, whereas some are kind of like, oh, I kind of want to have a certain level of an idea of what this guy's skills are, but more focusing on my own individual efforts so I can be in, like, more of a flow state in the fight. Like, where are you at in that kind of sense? I mean, it's kind of hard at this level because guys change so much from fight to fight. Um, but, yeah, I've seen two, two of his pro fights um, and kind of watched him maybe twice i watched him with my coaches mainly i'll send it to my coaches and they come up with a game plan and then i just do what they say i don't um i've never accepted a fight in my career it was always i send it to my coaches i send the matchup to my coaches or now it's my manager that sends the matchup to my coaches if they like it they say yes and then they say hey you're fighting this guy on this date and that's the way it's worked so far and i mean we've had pretty freaking good results so yeah can't complain yeah absolutely i guess i was just wondering because i mean well i mean you talk about seeing a couple 
of his pro fights. I guess I'm presuming those were his couple samurai fights he had at their fifth and seventh events, respectively. Yeah. Yeah, no, that'll be uh, that'll be an interesting fight. It seems like people are talking about it in terms of like just a couple, you know, known prospects on the scene getting ready to kind of throw down. But I mean, yeah, that is interesting. Like you said, it is kind of difficult to. I don't know, really, like, ardently game plan at this level, because it seems like fight to fight, there's so much growth with where you guys are at in your career right now and stuff like that. So, yeah, just interesting. Is that, like, an exciting thing to feel on your individual level and everything like that, just, like, understanding how much marked growth is taking place between the fights? Is that something you notice in your own anecdotal journey and all? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, especially... I can distinctly remember, like, my first fight with NTT, how my wrestling was, and then my second, third fight with NTT, how my wrestling was, and it was like, I showed up to NTT, and I felt like I knew nothing, because I couldn't stop a takedown, and then I was worried about stopping the takedown, and then all these guys that I thought couldn't strike were lighting me up on the feet, just because, again, I couldn't stop a freaking takedown. So now I feel like... I'm kind of putting things together, and I'm in the last, I don't know, three fights, I've had pretty good uh, offensive wrestling, not just, like, defensive wrestling. So uh, I think I'm turning into a little bit more of a leech kind of guy instead of a stand-up guy now. <laughs> I was going to say, obviously, you credit, like, a lot of, like, your sparring partners and your own individual dedication to the growth in your wrestling but like how much of an x-factor is chris prickett because he seems like such a brilliant wrestling mind and especially for like bringing wrestling into like an mma context and all yeah chris prickett and um javon ball for him uh, another one that's helped me a lot with uh just like one being a training partner and helping me out was uh luke roberts he uh he, I don't know, the first month I came out to NTT, he was, like, beating the piss out of me with, like, wrestling and just, like, throwing me and showing me all this stuff. And he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu as well, so it's always, like, a good look to, like, uh, one, work my defense, and two, like, if I can do something with Luke, I know I can do that with pretty much anybody in the world, right? So. Yeah, I was going to say, that must embolden a lot of confidence. That seems like a big thing with NTT. Like, it seems like they get in such incredible you know grinding kind of work and just growing in their technique whereby the fights almost seem easy in comparison like i mean not easy but you know what i mean like it's like the magnitude of effort put into the gym it's like all of a sudden once it's fight time it's like okay cool it's time to like do the fun part of this quote unquote is that kind of you know how you see it in your experiences too just like in terms of the intensity within the training room and all yeah sometimes these practices are freaking ridiculous like we had uh, Javon ran sparring on Thursday because all the coaches were there for the UFC and for Zach and everybody and um, I don't know Javon just likes to torture us so he made us do like eight or nine extra rounds of shark tanks after sparring so like he, it's funny because like he's not a, like, he's a pure wrestler guy but like he knows how the MMA game is but uh he he likes to just like watch us scrap it out and see what's up right so yeah it's cool to have run practices and like see like every once in a while it's just a gut check right like maybe not once a week once maybe once every two weeks it's all right see if you got it see if you got like the warrior spirit the eye of the tiger you know yeah i get what you're saying and from what i was seeing from some other interviews i've checked out of yours i think you were mentioning your dad 
had like a pretty pronounced career shift at one point. Like he was a chef, a chef rather for around 10 or 15 years and then became a mechanic. Like I wonder how much of, you know, that kind of thing was instilled in you in a certain sense, because I mean, it seems like it's translated into the, you know, work ethic. And I was in that same interview seeing that your mom worked three jobs, but I guess in terms of like your dad's adaptability and I mean your mom's adaptability too like how much of like what they've imparted to you lends itself to your growth as an MMA fighter because like you were talking about your growth within the wrestling I guess to me hearing that it seems like maybe it's informed a bit by that oh yeah definitely like having like seeing my dad and my mom like work super hard it makes me want to be able to make enough money to not work super hard because it seems like that fucking sucks right um (laughs) It would be nice to just make a shitload of money and then sit on my ass for the rest of my life. That'd be nice. I was gonna say, what's the temperament from your parents with your fighting? I know some people are like, oh, I don't really want to see my kid fighting. It kind of just inherently makes me nervous. And some are like, oh, you know, it's not really my thing, but really support them. I mean, I guess there's a continuum as well where some people are like super, you know, for it and very fervent about it. Like, what's your temper or what's the parents' temperament rather with like your fighting pursuits and all? So uh, I could go on for like 10 minutes of how like uh, they're super supportive and all this stuff, but just to like put into picture uh, for this fight in Montreal, it's like an eight hour drive from Niagara. Um, I sold two tickets for this fight, one for my mom and one for my dad. That's it. So are they doing like the whole get the hotel, like make a bit of a weekend of it kind of thing. Is that kind of the plan? Yeah. No, it's awesome, man. That must make you feel good and everything like that. Just, like, knowing that they're on board like that and they're going to be there at the fight. Or I mean, I guess, I mean, some people maybe feel a certain level of pressure from that almost. Like, are you a person who's like, oh, that's awesome? Or are you maybe, like, looking at it like, oh, I got to kind of show out a little bit? Because I know some people kind of have that even with, like, the home crowd dynamics and things like that, too, in certain situations. I used to not let my mom, like, for my amateur kickboxing fights, I used to not let my mom be there. And then I started realizing that it doesn't really matter. Again, like I said earlier, right? We're not fighting in Montreal. We're not fighting in my hometown, Gatineau. We're not fighting in Niagara. We're fighting in the cage. We're fighting in a ring. It doesn't matter where it is. As long as the ring is, I don't know, whatever feet by whatever feet, that's where the fight takes place. It doesn't take place in the city. I don't really care about that, right? I don't really care who's there. It's... Whoever needs to be there is the ref, my opponent, and me, and the rest. It could be in an empty room, and then we could never talk about it again. I don't really give a shit. Yeah, for sure. Is that something that really just helps your competitive focus? Because, I mean, ultimately, when you're... I mean, the way you're looking at your fight career, it's like you could presumably be fighting in a myriad of locations, different countries even, etc. Like, is this like a mentality that... I guess you've just curated kind of over time in your own fight experience. It seems like it's very mindful of like a long-term kind of focus in your career, just maybe kind of being a road warrior certain times and just being like, ah, well, whatever. I mean, I'm stepping into a cage and putting on the four-ounce gloves, so same, same. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's not like we're making, like, crazy amounts of money, like, at this level, right? So, like, I get a free trip to Montreal, like, I get a free hotel, and I get to visit the city the next day. Like, same thing as we had the ufc in toronto yeah it's close and stuff and that's cool but like also i hadn't been to toronto in so long i'd never been to the eaton center so like this kind of like traveling stuff for either helping guys that are on the team or fighting myself fighting myself excuse me um i think that's uh, a big part of the sport and like a big perk that we get to have yeah it's a good way to look at it for sure man and 
definitely excited for this card overall, but this fight definitely stood out to me when I was seeing the different bout announcements roll out. So to that point, thank you so much for making the time to come on the show and chat a little bit, man. But I'm curious if maybe you have any final parting thought to add as we're sort of wrapping things up here, Kevin. Um, no, if you want to sponsor me, uh, throw me some cash. That's it. You got to be checking out Kevin Popowick Bastion if you haven't seen him already. Very exciting fighting style, and I think that'll come through in this Antoine Shaput fight. And very excited for Samurai MMA 9 overall. Should be a great event in Montreal on February 2nd. But to reiterate, Kevin, wanted to thank you for coming on MMA Canada Radio. Some great insights had throughout. Been wanting to talk to you for a little bit, so cool we could make this work out. But, you know, looking forward to seeing this fight when it goes down. But until then, you enjoy the rest of your weekend, man, and thank you. Thanks, man. You too.